to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, Quarantine Ghosts haunting the chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Johnny Enoch, esoteric researcher, is back with us. You probably recall seeing him with me there on Alaska Triangle. He's been featured on Gaia a number of times. Always has a lot of projects in the works. And we're going to be talking about a number of those things tonight, as well as some very, very interesting topics. So, Johnny, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me back. It's great to be here, Mike. And last time we had a lot of fun exploring all these different topics and we're going to go into a few new ones tonight and of course it's it's great to be here with victoria what a great addition to the show it's so nice to finally meet you johnny i mean i, I just enjoyed chatting with you before <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you we, guys were having an interesting chat. little discussion before we got rolling here so i was kind of oh, kicking oh, back we, and I was we, like, oh, we that's interesting <laughs> you do you do facebook yeah, <laughs> yeah i i uh, <laughs> i i book face you know, I, I, try, I try to keep I try to keep up with all these new trends, the, the Snapchats, the Instagrams, but everybody keeps coming back to Facebook, except there's certain people I'll talk about it to. Like if I talk about it to my son and his friends who are all teenagers, they, they say, OK, boomer, when I mention Facebook to them. So <laughs> just bring up my space and see what happens. You know? well, oh, you geez. <laughs> Is that the still around? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I, I think technically it is, but yeah, I haven't touched that in years. But uh, so, Johnny, when we were chatting earlier today, um, we're just going to dive right into it because I know you've kind of been itching to talk about it. And, and you mentioned it here again before we went live. Uh, psychic technology. You know, this is a fascinating area of study. And um, yeah, I, I just really want to get your insights on it because I know you've been wanting to talk about it. And uh, you are, I mean, you're such an amazing guy. Uh, you have such a wealth of knowledge. And so tell us about psychic technology. Well, thanks for asking, first of all, Mike. And, you know, I feel the same way about you. I mean, we were just talking about this as the show was starting that I have never seen anyone. And I think Victoria can vouch for this. I've never seen anybody <laughs> who knows how to tweak Zoom out the way that you do. And let me just break it down for the audience before we get into psychic technology. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it is relevant. So this guy has the Zoom windows popping up, zooming them in, you know, tweaking out the size and the pixels and the audio levels and then switching it all around into some sort of, you know, digital matrix. It's absolutely incredible. And you have such an astonishing background with technology. And it's is it U.S. Air Force that you're with? Yeah, six years in the Air Force, three in Alaska and three in Maryland at, uh, you know, no such agency. So, yeah. Well, okay, so that's relevant to what we're about to talk about today. Exactly, Victoria. It's, it's actually monolith. It is. Exactly. Yeah. She has a monolith behind her. And, I mean, that's amazing. That's relevant today, too. Uh, you know, that we, we see that all around. That's very impressive, by the way, even if it is made with Reynolds wrap. But I, <laughs> let, me, let me get my foiled hat on first. <laughs> right. But, you know, here's the thing, is that in my conversations that I've had, with military scientists and people who are in the know, because, you know, I have most certainly this this love and this pursuit of forbidden knowledge. And so, you know, looking at these subjects, there is a very real side to these psychic abilities and the reality that we're all living in this universe that we're all living in, which, by the way, you know, Every second, we're witnessing the birth and death of universes. Every second, you're impregnating reality with your thoughts. Okay? So when we look all around us, what we're seeing is this is like the, the phoenix that rises from the ashes. It's constantly rebirthing itself. You're witnessing this constant flow of this uh, birth and death of universes, like the dance of Shiva, the destroyer. Things are being constantly being recreated and reborn every single second. And again, Mike, I know I'm repeating myself because you and I talked about this the other day. We were just going through this about how when we see reality unfolding, that it's just like the mother octopus 
who gives up her body for her young octopi to feed off of her, well, that's because our reality is nonlinear. The only thing that's linear about it is that our minds give this illusion that everything is happening in a straight line. But it's all an illusion that's created that we're constantly living by. So when we see this happening, we might ask ourselves, is it possible that we can step back and forth in time? Okay, Uh, not all of us have a flux capacitor that, you know, is in the back of a DeLorean that we can head (laughs) back in time. But is it possible that we could head somewhere uh, out in the universe and let's say capture the time, let's say when... Uh, Henry VIII was, uh, you know, beheading his wives, or can we go back and and look at the times of Napoleon? Well, you might say that perhaps we've stumbled upon that before. In my conversations with some folks that have been involved in these projects, they told me that some 30 years ago, they were present over in Jakarta uh, of Indonesia. And I'm relating this story to you and your audience now, because you yourself being someone who's been involved in the U.S. Air Force, you've been involved in the technological and scientific uh, areas of this. And, you know, you've you've probably seen a great deal of things yourself. But when these folks were there, what they said is they were experimenting with uh, a type of lighting with these cameras. They were using ASI technology and they were using between 100 million to 300 million uh, when you go into the light frequency spectrum of using something called a lightning bolt condensed ballistic flash. Okay, and so when they were doing this, it was very similar to what we heard in the Philadelphia experiment. They were able to use this photography to capture these time periods that were far older, far more ancient than the folks that were showing up on the camera because of this lightning bolt condensed ballistic flash. These were not from that time period. They did not look like the same people. And they realized that based on how much of these uh you know, millions of watts were going through there in in the ASI technology that if this was adjusted, there was almost like you could peel back the layers of time like an onion. And I find that very fascinating that we would potentially have classified technologies that could look at these areas. Now, Mike, I would say if we can do that technologically, could this be how psychics such as the ones that you travel with quite frequently uh, in your investigations could it be that you know we naturally have the ability to uh, do that ourselves yeah it's a very interesting question johnny because i've talked to a number of people that have experienced what we would call a, a time slip where they witness somebody from another era and that person looks back at them as almost as if they are what we would call a ghost. So you have one person basically looking back into the past and that other uh, person, the image that they're seeing is actually looking into the future. And what you basically just described was a technological way to make that happen, which is absolutely fascinating. Absolutely. So here, here's the thing. Here's the takeaway. Also, it takes very little energy to change the vibration of the atoms in your body. And just to give you an example of this, this is called harmonics, but harmonics, they can be dangerous. Okay. So we know if we change the atoms in your body, and so they're not relative to the ground below you, hence relativity, that you'll actually sink through the floor. You'll be under the ground somewhere. Okay. So we, we can also look at this with spatial momentum. We can look at how we could literally uh, affect gravity all around us. In fact, with a little bit of change through this and what I'm hinting at based on these technologies, you could literally interfere with the subjective reality all around us. You could have people materializing out of walls, floating above the ground. All of these things can be done by changing the harmonics of atoms. And so... With that, we got to look at the fact that everyone is already wired for these psychic abilities and everybody already has these abilities. But you might say we have something called the gatekeeper and this gatekeeper that is basically a filter. It's filtering out reality as it comes to us. This uh, is, is sort of what keeps us sane. But is, if more is coming through, let's say if you've ever met a very clairvoyant person, uh, Victoria, are you are you very clairvoyant? Are you very psychic? Just me. I just a little bit. 
just a bit. <laughs> I, I've noticed that. <laughs> I've noticed that Mike likes to pick very psychic people to be his co-host. So let's uh, start with B. No. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. No. So absolutely. As soon as the gatekeeper starts to flood in with more information. It starts to change the personality. It changes the ego of the person. And it's sort of like a sphinxter, like an esophageal sphinxter that's, you know, allowing things to come in and out of it. And I think the more you get recognition, like let's say you go to do remote viewing or whatever it is, the more that door feels more comfortable opening up. Would you find that if you've been remote viewing something or psychically looking at it? Yeah, a lot of times um, I was telling Mike the other day that uh, – Sometimes I see things and it's like you hold up a negative and you hold up a second negative and you're looking through it. And a lot of times that's when I'm I'm just not thinking of anything and my mind's just kind of drifting and floating. So I don't know if that's relaxing the harmonics or changing the vibrations. But, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, it's just all about your perception. I totally <laughs> agree with you. I totally agree with you. But the amazing part about this is that how the reality is coming to us and how this can affect uh, you know, even if we're looking to do this through a technolo technological means, is that we know that there's these strings and vibrating loops and things like that. We look at atoms, but our brain doesn't download the objects around us as strings uh, or subatomic particles or anything like that. But we get these different frequency ranges like 390 to 750 nanometers or nms which is only 100 billionth of a meter by the way uh that come into these photoreceptors in our eyes and these are downloaded through our rods and cones up into two visual cortices and they're downloaded into our brains which is really fascinating but mike have you ever heard of in when you look at particle physics have you ever heard of what we call Planck units of time yeah yeah i've heard of that so these are usually used to measure like uh, physical constants of, of matter, right? So our physical constants. So with these, we learned that the cubic center of reality is 10 to the minus 45 nanometers. And that's based on what we call the Planck constant. And uh, the Planck actual is 10 to the minus 34. And this is, this is probably going to change in the future. These are our quantum electromagnetic energy measurements of a photon or like a, a beam of light. But when we look outside of the visible light spectrum, what we're going to find in the future when we look in things like infrared and ultraviolet, that there's more going on around us than we ever thought imaginable. We are literally being perceived by so many different things, all this astral wildlife and, and crazy things are looking in on us. Did you ever see, did either of you ever see years ago, uh, I think it was his name was Jose Escamilla. He was talking about these things called rods. Did you ever hear about those? I'm familiar with Jose Escamilla, but uh, I'm not familiar with the with the rods. What's that? That's funny. I you know, know he, rods, but I don't know Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> he did this. He did this this documentary about these things that were all around us that were moving. Uh, in they're almost like these electrical life forms that were feeding off us or feeding off of different electromagnetic fields. One thing I like about this show on Travel Channel, there's one show called uh, The Dead Files. Have you ever seen it? Oh, sure. Yeah. There's a medium on there. Her name is Amy Allen. Of course, right. you're familiar with her. Maybe yeah, the audiences as well. Amy Allen likes to give very creative explanations. When she comes into a house, she doesn't just say, oh, hey, these are ghosts. These are dead people. These are uh, just whatever cretins in the night she'll say okay there's an extraterrestrial life form lingering here that's feeding off of a pond in the back and coming into the house or something right so <laughs> we have like these almost all this life around us that's observing us and i think that it's there's so many countless forms outside of our light spectrum that we're interacting with but i'm sure the both of you have encountered these sorts of beings in your investigations Mm -hmm. Definitely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I definitely agree with you that if you were to just, you know, remove whatever restricts us from seeing what's around us, that we would be absolutely astonished at everything that surrounds us right now. And every once in a while, you know, on an investigation or even sometimes just in your house, you know, you'll get a glimpse <laughs> of that, of, of the possibilities that are out there. And um, yeah, if there are, you know, I, I think our research and where we're headed right now, uh, we're trying to, for 
you know, pun intended, unveil those secrets. <laughs> so, so Johnny, um, you know, where is your research taking you on that? Well, again, this is really exciting for me to see because I know that we have talked all about in the past, the, the Russians have looked at psychic experiments like the old uh, psychic experiments behind the Iron Curtain stuff. They looked at, we had J.B. Ryan, we had, we know that there's that the China has done experiments with psychic children. We've looked at this from many different angles, but we really now are bridging the worlds of our technology and our sciences with this field. So, for example, we were just talking about the infrared. We were talking about about looking into these areas like ultraviolet. I don't know if you know this, but uh, this sounds very transhumanist. Uh, have you heard much about nanoparticles and working with those before? Well, I'm familiar with nanoparticles, sure. Okay, so just to give you a little uh, breakdown of nanoparticles, nanoparticles are these one atom thick, little silicon hexagonal structures made of graphene, and they work just like buckyballs. Uh, inside the geosynchronistic areas of the body. But essentially, you know, we can give them all sorts of functionality as a sort of biotechnology. So one of the things they've done is they've actually injected these into the, the eyeballs of rats and they've given them night vision. Okay, mm -hmm. so they've been able to allow them to have a bit of an upgrade so they can see at night. And now we're working in the areas of working into the infrared. Once we get into that, I don't believe we're going to be in that area where we used to be in the dark when someone like Victoria would walk into a house and all of a sudden she'd say, well, hey, this place needs a cleansing or I picked this up over here. I see this in the corner. I think we're very close to having the technology to be able to to see these different layers. And just like you'd send some into a building to do a house cleaning you know we will get to a point where we we will peel back the layers and that's more and more where our technology is bridging it's almost becoming magic and so for my investigations i think it's very exciting um just as they are for the both of you because mike whenever i talk to you you're always out on the road and you're you're <laughs> heading out there about to you know, crack a big case like Scooby-Doo. And I, I know that when you're doing this, you're collecting data from a number of different ways. How much technology do you use these days? Um, it, it's it's funny um, because this year, 2020, I haven't been on the road as much. But over the last couple of months, I have. And, you know, I it, it's interesting, Johnny, because I do have you know a plethora of, you know, technological equipment with me, different meters and devices, of course, uh, various different cameras. And while that will sometimes pick up maybe different fluctuations or I'll get interesting readings, it might even pick up, you know, something like a shadow person on camera, which I have before. I actually pick up more with my own body. Like I can walk into a room and, and since, okay, yeah, something's going on here. And it's almost those moments that are much more profound to me than just what the technology picks up that, you know, what my own personal vibration and resonance is able to detect is uh, extremely fascinating. And I think, you know, as we get further down the road, it's going to be the, the meshing of these two things, what we pick up with our own selves and the technology, meshing those two things together to be able to, uh, to, be able to see these other uh, dimensions and realities. I think it's it's very exciting to look at. And most certainly, you know, even with consciousness, where we're going with that, I don't know if you've heard of the quantum consciousness theories that we've had from uh, Stuart Hameroff over at the University of Arizona and Tucson, as well as Sir Roger Penrose. Have you looked at much of those? I haven't delved deep into that yet. It's um yeah, it, but you know, it's it's right down the avenue where where I'm headed with a lot of my own research. No, no, I totally get that. Um, the last little while, and, and how this relates to that with quantum consciousness, psychic technology, and everything we're talking about, I'm not going to segue too far off out there. I'm going to bring it right back into the center of our conversation, so don't worry. But uh, the last little while, I've actually been experimenting with the Oculus Quest 2, uh, which is it's the... sitting there right behind you, isn't it? It's sitting right there. <laughs> I sit in that chair sometimes and I've been using the, uh, the Oculus. It's kind of interesting mm -hmm. because there's a show on Amazon Prime right now, and the show is called 
upload, I believe. Um, the It's been a while since I turned on my Amazon Prime because I've been so busy lately. But on there, they kind of show this idea that after you die or just before that, you can have your consciousness uploaded into a, a computer simulation system with the hope that later on they could clone you and you could be re-uploaded. But that after uh, folks that we know died, we could interact with their consciousness. Well, Traditionally, we've said, okay, this would be a rather impossible or implausible sort of scenario. However, what we're told now in these quantum consciousness theories is that your consciousness, it is held together known through something known as quantum cohesion, which is kind of like colloquially what we've said for years in, in physics is, is uh, quantum entanglement uh, mm -hmm. or a superpositioning that you could be basically located at these two places at once. So your consciousness sits in here like a vehicle and your brain has these things called microtubules, which is sort of like this way for you to utilize these things like a supercomputer is a computational device. So essentially your consciousness has its own vibration, its own signal, its own frequency. You have your own IP address to give it a Mike Ricksecker technical <laughs> IT firm on the network. So there you we go. all do. And this is how our quantum internet is going to work uh, very soon. But just like when Victoria goes to contact somebody, if she makes contact with them, they have a unique frequency or vibration that they can triangulate and work with. Uh, the same is true for uh, a friend of mine that I work with, uh, Patricia Mona, who does a lot of this sort of psychic work. So this is this is how people are located. But the interesting thing is, is that people are always arguing on the Internet and in books. Are we living in a simulation? Are we uploaded? Do do we have that? Well, our spiritual teachings have always kind of told us that there's this temporal reality that we're all living yeah. in. And and most certainly, uh, you know, you're proving that all the time on these investigations that consciousness is sometimes lingering around. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I have a whole chapter in the uh, uh, the shadow person book on the simulated universe and those possibilities. And, and you're right. It's something that you know, our religions have talked about for years that we're here temporarily and we go on to, you know, somewhere else that we're somewhere else. We're down here, whether it's being tested or what have you. So, you know, even from a spiritual aspect, you know, we've always had this idea of a simulated universe. Um, personally, you know, I don't necessarily believe that it's a computer simulation. I think it's something much more advanced. It's either, you know, organic, biological, uh, molecular, something on that level, far surpassing what we think of as computer technology. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we are the, the greatest supercomputers ourselves. I mean, the way that these bodies operate are absolutely incredible. I mean, you have 100 trillion trillion cells in your body, 100 trillion trillion atoms in a cell and 100 trillion trillion cells in an atom. Atoms are made of mostly blank spaces. We could fit that, that area, all eight, almost eight billion people in the world on the end of our pinky finger, just to give you a little bit of spatial recognition there, how insignificantly, infinitesimally small all of this is and how connected we all are. And this comes back to the great idea of what this greater implication of all of this is uh, in all of our simulated lives and experiences of why we're here as we're here to grow and evolve. I mean, we really got to ask ourselves, who is the whole? Who is this, um, you know, egocentric uh, sovereign self, this this self that, that we're a part of when we look at each other, that we're all connected? I I am you, Mike. I am you, Victoria. We're all connected, and everyone watching this on the greater implication, and that brings it back uh, again and again to the greater lessons we learn from our religions and our spiritual teachings. So I think it's a it's a wonderful simulation, whatever it is. And sometimes, um, like the year twenty twenty, it's one hell of a simulation. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. So. Yes. Victoria, go ahead. I've been kind of monopolizing the no, uh, questions. My brain's been working. I don't, I'm enjoying listening to Johnny. Um, I no. Go on. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning. It's always fascinating listening to Johnny. Um, 
Yeah, Johnny is absolutely amazing. So I admit, um, I went back guys, and listened to his old shows. And oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've binge watched his channel, Metaphysical uh, Source, which uh, you guys better subscribe to that after this show. You guys, you guys are too nice. After the after No, it's, it's you're too kind. You're too we love kind. you, Johnny. I, I learned from watching the Edge of the Rabbit Hole. By the way, I found out I have Edge of the Rabbit Hole on Spotify. It's, I mean, get yes. it on there, get it on YouTube, get it everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. It is everywhere. Uh, we do have some questions from the chat, so we'll get to a couple of these here. Uh, from Cat Gash, uh, do you think the Philadelphia Project was an experiment in time slip or teleportation? You know, whether it was accidental or an intentional experiment, I most certainly do think we saw that, as well as, and you know, we've heard of other things from Preston Nichols and... Uh, who worked with Preston Nichols again? Was it Peter Moon? Uh, that's it. And the that did that work when they uncovered everything at the Montauk Project. But most oh, certainly, yeah. absolutely. Okay. This Wouldn't is from. That almost be the same thing. I'm sorry. Would that almost be the same thing? A time slip and a teleportation. Yeah. Well, you know, or, here's the interesting thing. When we get into that, and I won't segue too much because I know we have other questions. I mean, we can look at an Einstein-Rosen bridge, or we can see these ideas of what Einstein called the spooky effect at the distance, at a distance, the guy behind me. And so right. <laughs> if we look at this like a tuning fork, when we could take something and like, uh, or even splitting an atom, and you know that you can you can split an atom, you can take a piece of it, and whatever you affect, you do to that piece over here is going to affect the other one, or it's going to tune to a certain type of a vibration or frequency. I'd say these exist all over our universe. We have all these kind of wormholes, tunnels, uh, ways that they could be brought in there. And again, this is where when we get into our esoteric studies, we know that what do you do when you all get together in an esoteric group? You you form this circle. You know, like a healing circle, a seance circle. You know, we have crop circles. We have fairy circles. Uh, we know that time can be bent, warped, and twisted. So uh, there's all kinds of very interesting implications, bringing it back to what we were saying at the beginning with uh, harmonics and changing the vibration of atoms and the spin. Fantastic. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, this is... With meditation. Do... Oh, sorry. Go, no, yeah. go ahead, Victoria. Because, like, when my friends get together, well, I mean, uh, yeah, we kind of lift each other up. And it's just like, like you said, the harmonics of the group um, go higher and higher. So isn't that almost like the same thing as meditation? Or Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think that, you know, uh, the one buzzword that's being used a lot these days is harmonic oscillation and our harmonic resonance. I've often thought that when you're burning like even incense or people talk about how sage can be purified into a room, I think you're you're changing those qualities of the room. Uh, okay. And meditation most certainly does it. So does chanting. So does uh, so does singing bowls. Have you ever seen those Tibetan prayer uh, bells? Yeah. That you oh, yeah. Ding. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would say it all does that. And. Uh, you know, again, again, I, I mean, we could go down that rabbit hole further. Oh, certainly. And <laughs> when, no, cause we'll, we'll light up the, like Nicole and I, you know, we'll, um, you know, we'll light up the incense. We'll put some intentions out there to the universe. And I, and I believe, uh, setting that, you know, those, those types of, uh, positive, whether you want to call it uh, harmonics or vibrations or what have you, I think that has a profound impact on the world around you. Oh, most certainly. Most mm -hmm. certainly. I mean, that's why I believe in the the power of, of prayer. Um, no, no doubt that, you know, we go back into a doctor. There's a Catholic doctor named Dr. Bogislaw, and he did these very famous studies on groups that when they were praying, that he was able to measure sort of like what you do with those. Uh, I'm assuming it's like probably a K2 meter and electromagnetic frequencies right. and looking at them, looking at these fields of this exchange of energy and people that were gathering up praying and also empirically studying the recovery time of people in hospitals and how fast they got better with prayer versus without it. 
not to mention the psychological implications we've seen in the studies of uh, as a coping medicine, um, uh, mechanism. So with that being said, there are all kinds of ways that this vibratory quality works. And again, what used to be considered the matter of quacks and charlatans mm-hmm. of all this stuff talking about dimensions and everything. This is now what we're taught in theoretical physics. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, got a couple more questions here from the chat that I do want to get to before we dive even deeper down the rabbit hole. <laughs> of course. From Betty Lange, does Johnny feel that times in the past, like the 1960s, were open to many of the ideas you are now talking about? Yeah, I mean, most certainly we see these these currents and wavelengths of uh evolutions, cultural and consciousness evolutions. The 1950s and 60s were a very special time, Uh, 60s and 70s even. And uh, whether some of that was helped along, we do know that there was different experimentation going on. Uh, I don't know if anybody watching is from California, but if if you know California very well, especially in the valley, the San Fernando Valley. You go up into Mulholland Drive and Laurel Canyon. Well, we know there was all kinds of not only MKUltra experiments, but there was experiments going in uh, the movement with certain psychedelic substances and the ushering in of a consciousness movement. But I'm not one of those guys that completely dismisses these things all up to some great, you know, uh, experimentation. I think that these things naturally evolve as well for humanity. And uh, it's it was time for us to move forward. But the 60s was was an important time. But also, I would say, look at the Renaissance period, the Renaissance period that we had brought forth all kinds of great thinkers and inventors and religious mathematical types of inventions, too. Right. Oh, absolutely. I, I think every uh, but every generation seems to have, you know, their people that come forth and it's, it seems to always have its own identity given that generation. You know, you mentioned the Renaissance and you look at the, the 1960s, you know, like Betty was saying, and uh, even today it has its own almost flavor for lack of a better term. Yeah. I mean, sorry, go on, Victoria. Oh, well, I'm throwing astrology in there now. Um, if you think about <laughs> it, you know, cause that's what I do. Um, the 60s, that's when the, the age of Aquarius was actually starting. So that was a shift in um, thinking, and it's actually here now. So now we're having, a, for lack of a better word, a renaissance in thinking, um, a different way of thinking. That's all I was going to say. That's, no, I, <laughs> that's a good point. You know, and, and when we look at astrotheology, so mm-hmm. that's a very, very good point from an astrology point of view. Astrotheology, because we know that there's a religious, an astrotheological religious component that goes along the whole way. And if you look at something like the New Testament of the Bible, for example, we see that there is an encoded story there. And so Jesus, for example, we know who was multiplying two fish and encountered two fishermen. This is like Pisces that we right. see, right? Right. That was the beginning uh, of the Piscean of course, age, right? Right. Absolutely. And we see that moving forward. But then in Luke 22, 10 of the Bible, they say to a master, master, where are you going to be at the last supper? And he says, meet me at the house with the man with the water pitcher. Well, who's the water pitcher, right? It's the Uh, Aquarius. uh, It's Aquarius bringing the waters of spring. But at the same time with that, with uh, Aquarius coming in, he says, I will be with you to the end of the eon. Well, that's some people think that's the end of the world. It just means to the end of an age. And so we know that as we're shifting in our axial rotation of the earth, that the ancients always knew, as you rightfully pointed out, Victoria, that every age had its unique personality and characteristics. So it's a very exciting, daunting, uh, strange time to be alive. And a wonderful <laughs> It is. I mean, just the ideas that I've seen this year since we have been limited in what we can do, like Zoom meetings and children going to school through computers. And we've totally changed and we have redone the way we we basically live. So, I mean, can you just imagine what we can do when it's not COVID? You know, just, totally. I'm just, okay. Nerd. No, okay. no, totally. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You pointed it out. I mean, this is all part of our evolution. We are here to grow and evolve. And no matter what happens to us in our lives and whatever direction we chose to be here at this time, and it's a very important step. I mean, these are very exciting times. 
And even, you know, bringing it back over to what Mike was talking about also uh, with this Alaska Triangle. Mm -hmm. I mean, of all the times on Earth that, you know, that people have been around, people haven't been open to talking about these things at the level we are today, of looking into them, delving into them. I, I mean, in what period of history... Uh, to bring it back over to what you're saying about Zoom calls and people attending school digitally, have we ever tuned on, turned on the news and seen monoliths showing up? <laughs> <laughs> what by Victoria? It was at Waterburger. <laughs> I think the monolith, though, my opinion on the monolith, I think it's probably an engineering prank, but I personally think yours is the best one I've seen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, we're actually going to be talking about the monoliths on the show following this on Beyond the Shadows. And yeah, I I do believe it's a engineering bring. And there there have been a couple of guys that came forward and said, you know, we're artists and we put one of them. It was one of them in California that they actually put together. But, you know, to me, it's fascinating the way that uh, the world is now. I mean, we've always been connected, but we're technologically connected on a much different level than in the past. And just news traveling like that virally over the internet and all of a sudden all these people from around the globe start clamoring onto the same idea and 2020 has been such a crazy year i think this is something to kind of lighten the atmosphere and for all of us to kind of uh you know grab onto and push push forward into 2021 yeah it's totally connected us all i mean it was in what california one day romania the next day and then it was in downtown houston and duluth at the same time. <laughs> time <It's>, slip. <laughs> it's time slipping away. Most certainly, you know, okay. that's... <laughs> it is, it is. It's everywhere. It's bilocated. But um, <laughs> I uh, I agree with you. It's a, it's a very interesting time we're living in, and people haven't even begun to see anything yet. Over this decade, you will see some of the strangest things you ever thought imaginable, the, the way the world would change, the way that we change, the way that our technology will be used. It, it's going to be almost to the point of where technology literally becomes magic. The ability to back up your cells and your body to clone body parts. At the same time, you know, parts of our consciousness, uh, you know, merging uh, in, in ways where you know, we're going to qu question things uh, with privacy. We're going to question who we are, where we come from, and this greater purpose of things. But at the end of the day, I think that's where our philosophies, our spirituality for folks that are religious folks, that's where uh, these things can become uh, a protector of you. And they can, they can help you understand and integrate them better. Okay, I have a question, because I know how much you love Disney. Okay. <laughs> Sounds Do you think good. If Walt, if Walt was alive now do you think he would back himself up i mean because you've always heard the stories about his head being frozen somewhere um <laughs> do you think uh, well, he would be one of those that would well first of all biological yeah i i tend to think i tend to think he probably would i'll tell you why because uh, well, first of all, I do love Walt. So thank you so much for the question. I, I do love Walt Disney. I think he was such a brilliant mind and, mind and, uh, and man. And, and not only was he fascinated by the Rosicrucian mysteries, he was a young member of DMLA's. He had a great salute to the mysterious aspects of things out there. And in fact, when you when you look at even his ideas that he had that were never developed, like if you've been to Disneyland and you see the submarine area, that was an area he was building for Atlantis. And there are the remnants of of, uh, you know, giant blocks and things down there or his own monoliths he left in right. there. So, <laughs> But even when you look at the concepts of, let's say, Tomorrowland or you look at the concepts of the as you and i have discussed as we were all discussing before the show that when disneyland was built he contracted out the guys from sri the stanford research institute now these are the guys that later on with dr hell put off yuri geller ingo swan pat price yeah. all of them these were the, are your greatest remote viewers and psychics in these programs so walt worked with sri to build disneyland on the 33rd parallel put the castle in the center of the of the where the energy was coming put the carousel behind it to yeah. spin out the energy like a tesla coil 
And this was documented not only by Walter Bosley and the key to the kingdom, but again, here's a guy that was innately fascinated by the future. He was innately fascinated by the strange and mysterious and that heart of magic and love is there. And and I do want to say this, Victoria, that a lot of us out there, we might have the idea that, that, future technologies and things might be evil or they might impede on who we are. And I think we have to find a balance of that. When you had a, a beautiful heart like Walt Disney, uh, you can only look into these things with a, a childlike curiosity and love, right? Oh, exactly. I, I'm just really looking forward. I mean, I know a lot of people see doom and gloom and, oh, 2020 and the plague and all this, but, you know, I only see optimism. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And it is it is difficult out there right now. We're going through some really uh, alarming and big changes. And there's a, you know, a number of things that we see coming into play. Uh, it is it is a strange, strange time and it will get stranger over this decade. There are going to be very strange things that you will witness. Not only I believe that we're going to have a strange aspect and learning more about our extraterrestrial friends, but we are going to see things change on the earth starting next year within our weather patterns of, oh, of yeah. very, very, very strange weather that's going to keep building up. And for that, a, even our ability to reach out to the stars, but the more that we reach out, we might find the further there, well, that we're going to go within. And mm-hmm. that's where a lot of this stuff that so far we've classified as the, as the esoteric, as the metaphysical, as the strange, as the paranormal, as the edge of the rabbit hole is <laughs> just going to keep taking us further and further and deeper down it. I think that's wonderful. I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How could it not be? I mean, I've always had conversations <laughs> like this with my friends and they're always like, <laughs> you know, it's just what, way over their heads? Usually. Yeah. yeah. They're like, what? What are you? What are you talking about? It's like, oh my God, let me tell you. So anyway. Oh, I love that. All right. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Well, we have a few more questions coming from the chat. Do you want to uh, try to get to a few of these? Um, from Tammy Heitzman. Johnny, have you heard of the electron multiplying camera? The electron multiplying camera. Uh, enlighten us. Uh, can they give us a further explanation? Because, I mean, we can do lots of a thing, lots of things with electrons, but uh, how are we, how are we multiply them? Yeah. So, Tammy, if you could. Oh, throw are a they talking more... about like curly in photography, like basically like oh. a type of uh, aura, aura camera? Where you can see in the different light ranges? Well, let's go down that road. So, aura cameras. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like traditionally, we know that you, the experiments that you saw with Seaman Curley and all that, when we came up with the aura camera, that you could take like the limbs off a leaf and then they put a certain amount of energy through it. And you could see that there was still, uh, you know, the, the parts of the leaf were still intact. You know that we we do have these energy fields around us. Uh, have you guys ever seen an aura before? Yeah. I actually did. The, oh, you mean like actually see people? Yeah, physical auras. Yeah, Um, and my daughter and I actually did aura photographs from the year she was turned one through six. And it was really interesting to see how the colors would change. And when she started speaking, she started getting a white ball right in her, um, like her throat chakra, where she's actually using this. And eventually our our auras meshed together and we were just purple. I love that. So (laughs) So every year she would get a little bit older. Have you, well, here's the thing. I mean, a lot of people out there work with energy. They've done Tai Chi or they've done Reiki, uh, the Mikhail Yasui system. You know, like when you, yeah, I can tell you do Reiki. And I'm doing Reiki things, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so what everyone watching at home, I'm sure you've all done this where you've rubbed your hands together, then you move them together. And so they're, uh, you know, a couple inches away and you move them back mm-hmm. and forth. And you Make can a little feel. energy ball. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel the the energy that's there. You've stood behind someone's back and kind of put your hand out. You've kind of pushed them back and forth without touching them. We're all sort of sensitive to that. And we have an entire syntax in our language of these things. Like, you know, how many of us say, you know, I was feeling blue. I was sad. I I was red with anger or she was green with envy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lot of the times we dress in the colors of how we feel. Uh, You know, I guess that makes me. Um, you know, some miserable black dressed. Uh, no, no, it's, go- <laughs> it's the absence of all color. So you're taking in yes. everything. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the exactly, you're exactly right, Victoria. <laughs> but no, uh, all all joking aside, you know, the colors that we see around us a lot of the time, they they are connected to that. We're always seeing auras, whether we like to know it or not. So one thing you can do if you're going to get your aura picture taken. You can kind of do an experiment that you can go look at your aura first. And it's very, very easy to see physical auras. So one way that everybody watching this at home on the other side of this screen or listening <laughs> Here's to some homework Spotify for you and iTunes, right? <laughs> That's it. What you got to do is you got to jog the rods and cones in your eyes. OK, so one way to do this is that you can go into a mirror or you can stand in front of someone at home. And you can just look at your nose or their nose as a focal point. And so what you want to do is about three, uh, as a pattern of three, you kind of want to look over where the nose is and you want to unfocus your eyes. Unfocus them so they go blurry for about, you know, 10, 15 seconds and then refocus them. And do this about three times. And as you do it, you'll start to see that your eyes will start to be kind of jogged and then look around your head or look around their head and just look around the perimeter, then back down to your nose. And you'll notice that through the peripherals of your eyes, you'll start to see these wavy colors. Now, usually yellow and green are the easiest ones to see. Uh, and they all have different colors and definitions and meanings that you guys can look up on the internet. But uh, yellow is a color of, of thinking and and um, analytical ideas and knowledge. Green is a very healing color. It's a color of growth, but you know, it's very simple. Red might be a passion or an anger or a fire color, but you can see other things in people's auras. Like if they're pregnant, you can see little kind of like gold balls and energy. You could, and, and if somebody hasn't spent uh, you know, uh, uh, enough time in nature, they've been, you know, unhealthy or not sleeping well, uh, you know, you can see sort of a wavery aura. You can see auras around plants, around animals. It's it's very interesting and easy to see. It's a wonderful thing to learn how to do. Absolutely fascinating area. And, um, you know, like, like Victoria, I had the you know, aura photo taken, which was, and that was years ago, but it was very interesting to see all, all the different colors. Now, when when you talk about the focusing, is that similar to... Uh, when you're taking a look at, you remember those 3D photos that you had to like really stare at and right. adjust Magic your eyes? Guy. Magic yeah. guy? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah, no, it's like that, but just unfocus your eyes. Try holding that for a bit and then refocus. So you just want to jog the rods and cones in your eyes. You can do different eye charts and exercises, but sometimes you may accidentally see this, uh, you know, when you're out and, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a bit with Victoria as I look over there. I know she's already doing this on a daily basis, but with this, Mike, have you ever had it so you're walking down the street and it's a nice day, it's a nice, beautiful summer day, and you can see the outline, like this hazy outline amongst the trees on the tree outline, sure. or you've ever been at school or you've been at a church or somewhere and you can see the outline, like there's this whitish kind of energetic outline outside of someone standing at a background, maybe because they've half put you to sleep with some boring <laughs> pontificating that they're doing up there and you're relaxed. Your eyes are relaxed. The lighting is just right. Well, th this aspect is always coming up and I, I really think it's, it's a great thing. And, uh, or again, auras, uh, aura cameras, are a great example of a sort of a, a psychic technology. There you go. There you um, go. On that note, because I do want to get a couple more of these, um, this kind of came up earlier when we were, you know, getting into psychic technology. Sarah Youssef asks, if a person is a mixture of frequencies, what is holding the integrity of a person together? Well, I think it also is your, your thoughts, your uh, what what are you doing with your your harmonization of your vibration? Are you a tolerant, kind, loving, generous person? You're gonna you're gonna attract these things uh, coming back to you. You're gonna be magnetic to it. Uh, you know, I also think that things can affect your vibration and your frequency. Also, you, you with what you eat, and you don't have to be a vegetarian or a vegan or anything like that. Um, but even if you look at meat, if you eat a lot of red meat, red meat, for example, it's not that it's bad. I'm not judging you for it if you do, uh, because you can get iron that way. But if you do, the one thing is, is that 
if red meat takes a lot more energy for you to digest in your body, more so than, you know, chicken or let's say people that eat fish and stuff like that. They, those are more high vibrational along with fruits and veggies and things like that. So if you're drinking a lot of water, bringing that up, that's going to up your vibration, your frequency, going to get you moving. Or if you're like Mike and I and just drink copious amounts of coffee, I'm sure that that's, that's right. something to, to <laughs> vibrate your, your energy. But, um, Anyways, with that, yeah, I would say that these your thoughts are probably the greatest thing that's harmonizing your frequency. What do you guys think? Definitely. I think so. Because jokingly, I always say I'm like Snow White, you know, hi, you know, and I go to the door. <laughs> I'm little, I live in Disney. What can I say? Um, little wild animals, because I'm out here in the woods. They come up. We don't get me started on cats. They're not my cats, Mike. Um, but cats are always... They're not your cats, right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, it's, and that's interesting that you mentioned that, Victoria, because we always end up with um, a, you know, a plethora of birds out here. All kinds of squirrels will come up. We actually had a, well, in the tree line, we'll get deer, but we actually had one come all the way up toward the bird feeders yesterday morning. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, the wildlife around here is amazing. We're in a Have neighborhood. Have you started naming them? Yeah. Are you, are you naming them yet? Because <laughs> that's what there, you know. Well, we, you know, we kind of try, but you know, many of them look very similar. So it's like, is that one? So yeah. Now you're talking my language when you start talking <laughs> squirrels. I mean, uh, that's oh, yeah. the one thing for me. Everywhere I go in the world, I I have this. The squirrels come to me, and uh, a few years back, I was outside of an office, and uh, they just whether they're a spirit animal. Uh, I always notice they put away lots of little things for later and I do mm-hmm. something similar and then I forget where I put it or I find it by accident <laughs> like the squirrels do. <laughs> One of the things are is that I'll be I'll be in England in Hyde Park or something and they'll just come up to me and start sitting on me uh, and coming through and I think you're you magnetize yourself or you harmonize yourself with that frequency. So it really is true. Uh, you know, we hold on to these things and change it. So what a great question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know we have the world's largest uh, freestanding squirrel statue in Texas. Just do you really? <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's it's a it's a must see if you come here. <laughs> now now I know why Elon Musk moved there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the squirrels. It's Actually, the, the squirrels are my um, totem animal because they used to. Was it you, Mike? I was telling the other day. Um, they used to knock on my door. I'm like a man. Yeah, you mentioned that. Indicator. Right, right. <laughs> like, oh. Nuts, please. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, in my parents' yard, my father collected this massive, you know, it was a big charcoal bag full of acorns. And he, he was like, here, these are for your squirrels. So we throw a few out there every morning. <laughs> You see, Mike, I learned something new about both of you. Here I was thinking you guys were just great people. Now I think you people are awesome. I mean, you're here. And I, uh, and we we've raised our yeah. frequency. Or, or our yeah, you just you raised your frequency. That uh, we're, we're excelling on the Johnny meter. Yeah, <laughs> you're way up there in the acorn meter. Nice, Yay. nice. Uh, we have a great question here from Nathaniel Gillis. Uh, he wants to know what your view is on technology of the consciousness and how it pertains to the UFO abduction phenomenon. Oh, that's a great question. So, yeah, with UFOs, I believe that most of them are entirely powered by consciousness. I think that that's how you interact with them. You steer them. Most of them are some from the people I talk to in these experiences. Most of the UFOs are almost uh, organic or alive which is a very interesting thing that you might be the key to the vehicle, so to speak. So when it comes to this sort of technology, I think our visitors, most of them, and if you think of it, if you're capable of interstellar travel, you have incredibly, uh, you have an incredibly advanced understanding of who we are and the ability to, you know, uh, heal the body, work with the mind and body. But yeah, the everything that we've seen is connected to that. In fact, I don't believe for the most part, in most of our sightings, experiencers, and visitations, that those are done by accident. I think that uh, in everything I've discovered working with clinical hypnotherapy with people who have been contactees is that they had an agreement already, whether you want to say as souls or as a part of their consciousness, that they were going to have these contacts, whether it was some kind of a past life they've had with this group or whatever it is, but it's 
it's all it's all consciousness based. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. And I think as as we dive deeper and deeper into this research, we're going to really open that up. And Johnny, speaking of UFO abduction phenomena, are we allowed to go ahead and, and mention the conference? Yeah, please, please do <laughs> mention it. All right. So uh, coming up this February, is it the 27th to March 6th? I have the dates right there. Well, you'd probably have the latest dates because I have been out of the loop the last few days. Uh, but well, you're absolutely right. It's at the end of February. And what it is, is the Laughlin UFO Mega Conference. And so this Laughlin, hey, I saw a few good things have popping up there, including yeah, the poster. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the other one in a moment. But uh, you're too kind. So, yes, here we are. We have the Laughlin UFO Megacon. And this is great. It says there February 28th through March 6th. I see that the uh, date has finally been set there. So, yeah, join us and 35 researchers and scientists. The seating is limited. Obviously, I think we're going to be capped at around 250 attendants, attendees there at the moment. There will be all the safe you know, barriers there. There will be social distancing. There will be the use of masks, a health check at the hotel. Of course, all the hotels in Nevada are going to be doing health checks. But with that, you know, once you come there, it's going to be great. You're going to get to listen to live presentations. We're going to have outdoor star sightings at night for UFOs and going out for groups. There's always great banquets and fascinating presentations and people there. But most particularly who I am most excited to see is Mike Ricksecker, who is going to be looking at the concept of are shadow people extraterrestrials? Who are they? Hi, you're too kind, Johnny. <laughs> no, and, and I do have to thank you, brother, for, um, you know, for including me in on that uh, conference. It's going to be a fantastic time. I'm absolutely looking forward to it. And Quarantine Ghost has put the, uh, uh, the link down in the chat, the Laughlin UFO Mega Conference.com, so you can get all the details there. And um, they're, they're still adding the, the guest list to the site. This was just, if I bring the photo back up here, uh, this was just yeah, a no, handful very, of us so far in there, but yeah. It's going to be very up. exciting. And uh, I know I, we're very grateful that you're coming, and it's going to be unbelievable. We had such a great time last, uh, the last conference, which was just this last March. And it, it was amazing because we got it in just, uh, well, sorry, it was February into March, but it was a perfect timing hitting in February because it was just before this whole pandemic thing took off and they, they got the conference in. Everybody had such a wonderful time. They've all been wanting to come back and do conferences again. Uh, what we're hoping for moving forward into next year is that of course people will be uh, cautiously doing so, I'm sure, in their own ways, but we're hoping for some level of normality to come back out there. And I think that we do got to get back out there eventually and do these things again. And I, I know that we will get there. It's going to be an interesting journey ahead. But the exciting part is, is that we get to look at these concepts of UFOs, consciousness, ancient mysteries, shadow beings, and everything else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I am looking forward to, you know, everybody else being there finally getting to meet you johnny and you know it's uh, going to be an, an amazing time just just the wealth of knowledge that's coming in from all over and exploring so many of these different topics that uh that we've been talking about and you know get a just much much deeper dive into it and uh, one of the things i always love about these types of conferences is really the the camaraderie that that you build with people so you know johnny like i said i'm, I'm looking forward to finally getting a chance to meet you and everybody else as well i love that mike it, you know it goes both ways everybody that i've talked to there about you and who's seen you on the alaska triangle they've looked at your show they are all very very excited to meet you i know that one of the, my favorite subjects is the shadow beings. And to date, I don't know anyone who's covered it in depth the way that you have in your books and what you've talked about and the upcoming documentary, I think is going to be just unbelievable. So thank you again for sharing everything you Absolutely. have there with this great audience. Yeah, definitely. And again, everybody, the link is Laughlin UFO megaconference.com. Quarantine Ghost has shared it in the chat. And also for those coming back uh, later to watch this, the link will be down in the description. And then, Johnny, uh, something else that we're also doing this coming year 
is Egypt. And I'm really looking forward to this one as well, Return of the Kefir Cycle. So yeah, tell us a little no, bit I'm about really, this. I'm really excited that you're coming for this because, uh, well, obviously your ability to be able to really measure energy fields and to take like a scientific approach and investigation of these things really excites me. But this is a very, very special tour. This is next year we're doing the return of the Kefir cycle. Um, every year I do these tours to Egypt, but this tour in particular is going to be unbelievable. We have Patricia Mona coming and she has found 29 bodies for the police. She is an expert remote viewer that's worked with the Monroe Institute with uh, Paul Elder. We have uh, Jay Widener coming, who, again, is just a profound esoteric genius. And of course, we have my very dear friend, Mohammed Ibrahim, who's one of the world's foremost authorities on reading hieroglyphics and ancient mysteries. We have such exclusive permissions. I, Out of all my times going there, we've never had permissions like this due to the times we're in. And the great thing about Egypt, I was just there a few months ago. The great thing about it is they've now just upgraded everything um, millions and millions of dollars into new infrastructure, new airports. Um, they, they're such incredibly hospitable people. It's one of, it is my favorite place in the whole world to travel to. It is so unbelievably life-changing and magical. But when we go there, people might not be aware of this, but the date we chose is very significant because there is sort of a summer solstice portal opening that we are going to be out with a very exclusive permission at the time that the light's going to open up into a very secret and important place down by the sphinx and we're also going to be having our exclusive access into that enclosure as well as into the great pyramid and many other places so you do not want to miss this if you want to seek the mysteries look at stargates ancient secrets you got to be on this tour with us Oh yeah, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I am so, I'm really so excited for this, Johnny. I mean, uh, you, you you mentioned Muhammad Ibrahim's uh, expertise in hieroglyphics. Um, I've I've actually been taking a course <laughs> to get a brush oh, up. Oh God, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, I am really stoked for uh, this tour. And so it is. Let me go ahead and bring the link back up. I know Quarantine Ghost has put it down in there. Uh, in the chat, and it is return in the description. Return of the Keffer Cycle dot com for those listening return to the podcast. Please. Yeah, and, and this goes back to sort of what, uh, again, this goes back to what Victoria was saying on the question about the 1960s, about where we would look at the age of Aquarius. Well, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but again, in the mysteries, there is there's a lot of secrets about going back into this original transformative energy and one of the things we look at with the scarab beetle is that the scarab beetle is not only um like a hermaphroditic sort of uh androgynous sort of uh idea or concept that it, it basically can mate with itself that you can look at the mysteries but it's perpetually self-regenerating not only with the dung that we would traditionally say that it's rolling up a hill again and again and coming back down with uh hence the idea of it being a dung beetle but in itself has this idea that we would very much relate to the concept of the age of aquarius so this is the new time for transformation there's an ancient prophecy about a cleansing uh to the ancient egyptian mysteries and we are now re-entering that period of the Kefir cycle. So that's why this is so significant. It's such a powerful time to be there. And the mystery schools know that too. There, there are other things I won't talk about right now, but that have been ceremonially, ceremonially put up for those with eyes to see around the world, such as a very ancient obelisk that's now been erected in Cairo, just like the other ones that have Masonic significance over in the areas of Westminster and London to New York or to uh, which is Cleopatra's Needle over there and one in Paris as well, which all come from the same place, which is on or Heliopolis. This is why you turn the lights on. It's a bit of a Masonic secret. <laughs> they all came from there uh, over this place. Um, which, again, is even connected to the one in front of the Vatican. So these pillars or obelisks being put up are very, very significant for this time of uh, shifting transformation and new energy on the planet. Uh, that is so amazing. And again, please come join us, everybody. It's going to be a great time. <laughs> and and I, I say that with Victoria sitting here and you know, following Egypt, we're going to Ireland. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's gonna twenty twenty one is shaping hey, up to be a great. Hey, I'm year. going. We're going to Ireland also. If you guys You're are in be, Ireland, I'll see see you guys there. When are you going? Yeah, we talked about that. That we're going to be there around the same time, July first through ninth. Oh, yeah. stone circle. I, yeah, no, that's amazing. And if you guys. If you guys happen to be there at the same time as we are, you have to say hello. We'll have to uh, we'll have to meet up and we'll have to go meet the keg of the fairies. There you go, absolutely. So, Johnny, we are at the end of the show. We actually went a couple minutes over, but that's all right. So, how can everybody find you? Check out your research. You have your uh, YouTube channel, the Metaphysical Source, but you have all kinds of other things as well. You have your uh, well website and all that. First of all, thank you so very much for having me on your show. It's always a pleasure. I enjoyed myself very much and talking to you two and the great questions that came from the chat room. Thank you all so much. To find me, you can get me at www.metaphysicalsource.com for my website, Metaphysical Source on YouTube. I'm Esoteric Johnny on Instagram. And for those old school folks that get called Boomers like myself, I am on Facebook as Johnny Enoch. <laughs> Thank you guys all so, so much. I appreciate you very much. And please stay tuned to this channel. Like, subscribe, and share these videos with everyone you know because the edge of the rabbit hole is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. You are such an amazing person, and you know we became fast friends with the Alaska Triangle, and I really, really appreciate uh, you coming on here to the show right as we're finishing out 2020 and I'm looking forward to having a, a great year and working on some projects with you and, and with the conference, Egypt, it's going to be an amazing year. So thank you so much, my friend, for coming on tonight. Thank you so much too, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a great night. <laughs>